welcome to Life Lessons with Dr. Steve Schell. For 20 years, Dr. Steve's 30-minute radio program, Life Lessons, was heard throughout the United States. Committed to comprehensively teaching through entire books of the Bible, Pastor Steve pulls out the deep, eternal truths in each section of Scripture without skipping over the challenging passages. He applies what is learned clearly and practically so that we're inspired not to just be hearers of the Word, but doers also. I spoke to you about how the Lord had delivered me from depression. And he did it in my case in particular by releasing me from expectations that I had. A, a sense of drive, a sense of a uh, fearful thing that I had to somehow accomplish a certain amount in my life or that I was worthless. I, I can't quite enunciate it. I don't really know what was going on in my own heart. I just know that it hurt. And he came to me and I told you about that. But you know when I talk about giving up some of these drives and things, I know that there's a, an alarm that comes in some people. And they say, Steve, I need those drives. If I didn't have some ambition, if I didn't have maybe even some fear, if I didn't have some of those expectations put on my life, I, I would just be a sack of slush. I'd do nothing. I'd sit by the roadside and hum. <laughs> you know, some of us even, I, I think, I think, uh, the enemy convinces us and says, why, you know, even that, that lust in you, I mean, yes, there's a downside to it, but it provides some real energy to your life. It's part of your makeup. Little voice inside. If, as I talk about giving those things up and just giving your days to the Lord and letting Him lead you and guide you, there's a little voice inside that says, no, no, don't let Him do that. <laughs> you need me. You need me. Don't let Him take me away. Doesn't it? So when I talk about giving up the drives, the ambitions, the, the, all of that stuff, the thought that comes is, you'll just be a blob. You'll stop performing. You will simply get out of the race of life and do nothing. That's absolutely false. That's absolutely false. You are not trading in these drives and ambitions that make you so miserable for nothing, you're trading them in for something else. Do you know what that something else is? It's faith. We no longer walk by ambitions and drives and inner fears. We begin to walk in faith. And far from leaving you where you do nothing, where you accomplish nothing, you will actually, as you walk with God and in His power, accomplish things far beyond what you are even capable of accomplishing, you will do the impossible. Faith will open your life up and expand it like nothing else. Now when I say faith, I've got to be careful because when I talk about it, some of you start twitching, you know. Now I know you've been worked over hard on this subject and I just want, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not saying one thing or another about anything else, but would you just listen to me when I talk about faith, what I'm going to teach you. Don't read into me what I'm, what I'm not saying. I'm not against, I'm not for, I'm just, you know, other things. I'm just, listen to what I teach you, and I will try to teach you today about walking in faith, the way I believe it, it happens. Faith is, is, is absolutely essential to our lives. Listen to this verse that we're going to read. 
Hebrews 11, verse 6. Without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Now, whatever version you have, let's say it together out loud. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Let's do it once more just to get it in deep. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Do you notice it is impossible to please God without faith? There is no such thing as a Christian life in which we do not walk by faith. Now, faith is really an uncomfortable process in many ways, and we avoid it. Most of us only walk in it when we have to, when there's been an auto accident, or something's ill, or a bad report from the doctor. Or we're so poor we can't make our bills. Now we talk about faith. But it's pathetic, though God will take you up on it. He'll take you almost at any point you're willing to come, so don't let that stop you. But wouldn't it be nice to let Him teach us and walk with Him? You see, God has a wonderful plan for your life, but you need to know that plan is not fated. You will not automatically inherit that plan. You will not automatically become the woman or the man you've been called to be. You will not automatically step in. It's not like God sort of fates your life out. It's, 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 it's doomed. You know, you'll just end up that. Not so. He has a plan for you. He formed you in his, your mother's womb. He has a wonderful plan. His intention is to move powerfully through your life. Every believer. That's the, that's the absolute thing Christ came to do. Save us from sin, but not just save us out of sin, out of hell, but save us into the life of the Spirit, to fill us with the Spirit and to allow us to sh share with Him the great work of redemption on this planet, to step into God's work. That's what we've been saved for. And so God's intention for you is not to just pull you out, but to bring you in to a whole new life. But I want you to know something. You will not become the person you are to be if you refuse to walk in faith. Because between here and there, you must walk in faith to get there. You will not become who he wants you to be without faith. So let's look at the process of faith. I do this over and over every so often. I'll talk about this. I don't think I ever say it quite right, but I'll do my best again to try to explain it. First of all, the process of faith, in my mind, begins with listening. Learning to hear the Lord's way. Learning to hear him guide me. Now, I've got to be careful here because a lot of people... I had a woman come up to me even, even the other day, I think it was Wednesday night, and say, I've been trying to hear God's voice and I'm not hearing anything. And she, she says, I'm just getting miserable. And she's, she was getting all upset. And she had a friend who was trying to help her get guidance. And, and her process was to sort of open the Bible, you know, like this and one of these things and find a scripture and see what it says and, and all. I, I have tried that uh, a number of times. And I usually come up to 2 Kings. There's nothing I want in 2 Kings, I'll tell you that. <clears throat> I'm not saying that God does not quicken scriptures to us. 
But I'm assuming, when we begin to talk about you hearing the voice of the Lord, listen to me, I'm assuming you're a person who's reading the Bible. If you are ignorant of this Bible, you're dangerous when it comes to guidance. You have no foundation, no roots. Your discernment is lousy. I don't care how smart you feel you are. It has nothing to do with smart. It has to do with knowing the will of God and the heart of God and the ways of God. And you will learn that by reading the Bible. Reading it, I don't just mean a verse here, a verse there. I mean start in a book and read through it. Amen. Getting the context, feeling the, the heart of the Lord as you, as you read. Then, to that kind of person, solidly rooted in the Word, who knows the Bible, yeah, the Lord, you'll read along and the Lord will just fire something after you. But you understand it accurately and you know what He's saying. But to somebody who shops through this thing like they're divining sheep entrails, you know, that kind of stuff, that is div divination. It's what it is, you know, they used to cut open a sheep and read its intestines, or they put tea leaves in a bowl, you know, oh, it looks bad for you. This kind of thing, they're, they're divining, and people are trying to use the Bible like it was a divining tool. We get the cart before the horse. We come at God as though we know what we want, and the question then is, how do I get God to give it to me? How do I get God to cooperate with my agenda? I, I think I know what I want my life to do. So how do I get him to bless me in the stuff I want? You got it all reversed. You got it exactly reversed. You see, I've watched people do that. I've tried that myself tons. And I usually end up exhausted and frustrated. And there's probably some who've, who've done a ton of that, and by now you're saying, well, I, do, I guess the Bible just doesn't work at all. I can't, not, this is not working for me. Let me tell you the secret. Let me tell you the secret. It isn't a matter of God blessing your plans. It's a matter of you finding out what God's blessing. See, the Lord's going somewhere in your life. The Lord has a plan for you. Now, we don't really believe that. We think that if we don't do something, he's going to forget where he put us. Don't we? And there's something inside that says, well, yeah, he likes him and he likes her. He'll do something with them, but I don't, you know, he doesn't like me. He'll just forget me. If I don't, if I don't, if I don't raise a fuss, he'll, 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 he'll ignore where he put me. That's not true. You have no idea how, how dearly he is concerned over you walking with him. He would have... There, he says he's no respecter of persons. Do you believe him? Did you hear that? He says he's no respecter of persons. In other words, he does not rank people. Every one of us is a firstborn, an only child. Every one of us in his economy is loved like that. You say, well, I can't love like that. No, you can't. You're not God. But he can. He can love like that. He can love the entire planet and every person on it like that. And he's God. And isn't that wonderful? And so he has a plan for you, and he loves you, and he has not forgotten where he's put you. And so the process is, like, we come at it and say, well, God, I want this. Now, let's see, how do I get you to give that to me? I'll find a verse here somewhere. Oh, here's one, 2 Kings. <laughs> and, and I just, I'll stand on that until you give me what I want. There is certainly general promises that we can do that, but I'll tell you, nothing really ignites, in my opinion. Until I've, until I've heard it from him. How do I hear? I have never, you need to know, I have never in my life heard it, the audible voice of God. And I know people who have, and I believe it. But I never have. 
When the Lord speaks to me, I don't hear words necessarily at all. It's, it's, it's an impression that comes into the heart. It's a thought that breaks in on my thoughts. It's maybe, maybe even like a daydream. I see, I attend a, a picture or something. It's a gentle thing. And so when we go about divining, we try, or we try to make God give us a word, it's very dangerous. You, you don't need to make Him do something. Your job is to draw close to Him. And He will speak to you as He will. He really will speak to you. He's really interested in what you do. He really has a plan. Just get close. Get in His presence and the Word will begin to come to you. How do you do that? Several ways. I do it in the closet. One, I'll put earplugs in, I lie down, I may take a nap, usually take a nap, let's be honest. <laughs> and then after I've kind of calmed down and I'm, I'm coming to, I'll, I just begin to talk to him. Or I'll not even talk. Do you know that you can sit in his presence and just be there together? Not having a dialogue or not, not saying, yea, ho, verily. You know, God, aren't you great? You don't have to cheer him on. There's times it just pours out. There's times you just sit there. It's like a good marriage. Times you're talking. There's times you can just be together. You don't need to say anything. Everything's all right. You're just together. You can be like that with the Lord. He'll begin to talk to you when he wants to. Much of what he'll say has to do with his love for you, encouragement, dealing with your heart, dealing with where you are right now. You know, you're looking for the long-term future. You want to know what's going to happen to the stock options. You're, you're looking at all of this kind of stuff. He's just talking to you about your heart. Isn't he? Doesn't, isn't that true? That's because it's God. It's not us. <laughs> so, what you, so it's, secondly, I'll hear him in the closet when I hear him. I'll hear him when I worship. When I'm here like now and I press in. I may just have a wonderful experience of being close to him and near him and, and I, I, I'm, I'm ministered to. He may communicate to me something special. And he may not. And he doesn't have to. Sometimes it's those unexpected moments. Right in the middle of our day, he breaks in. Breaks in with a thought. He breaks in with his anointing. Those thoughts, well, you can tell they're his when there's an anointing that comes with them. There's, a, there's, a, there's a, a lingering quality and assurance of the Lord's word. That happened to me and the Lord telling me who I was going to marry. I was sitting outside a post office in a Volkswagen. Can you imagine getting talked to in a Volkswagen? And I, it was bright orange and I was looking cool. <laughs> I was just waiting. I had the radio on. And it was the... It was a weather report. This was in northern Minnesota. Upper five state weather report. And they're going through the cities and just telling, telling what they were. I had met Mary on a double date and she wasn't my date. <laughs> and no, I didn't have a thing for her. I thought she was a very nice person, but I was busy. Boy, I was dating for everything I, everybody I could find at that point. And boy, I'm sitting there, just listening to the news, and it starts going down, and it hits La Crosse, Wisconsin, and, I, I and it said La Crosse, Wisconsin, 58 and cloudy, something on that order. This is the Midwest. And as it said that, her face came to my mind, and it was like a bell went off. Ding! I didn't hear anything, but just like this presence. <laughs> came down. 
And I looked up at the ceiling and I said, you're kidding. <laughs> Not because I thought it was an awful suggestion. I didn't. I was delighted. She's here. <laughs> I did. I mean, quite frankly, I thought she was marvelous. But, but I, I mean, it, because I, I had never dated this woman. Why is he telling me this? It's too early. I'm listening to the radio. He breaks in on us. He can break in on you and just talk to you when he wants to. You see, it, it becomes something you're not having to steer. You're drawing, you're being faithful, you're doing what he gives you to do, and you're proceeding through life. You say, well, will that leave, again, will that leave me by the side of the road humming? Hardly. When I gave up controlling all of these things, I was pastoring 130 people in, in, in Tempe, Arizona. I pastor, and I don't even know how it's happening, I pastor a couple of thousand every weekend. That's his idea, not mine. You're getting the point? When, you, when I say to you, God has a plan for you, and if you walk by faith, things will happen through your life vastly beyond anything you are capable of doing. In fact, you'll do the impossible. Because you will be empowered by the Lord. There is a whole different thing. I have never, ever, ever stepped out in faith on what the Lord gave me to do. But what he did not come through above and beyond what I could ask or think. I have many times tried to get him to do things and had it fail. Do you hear this? Faith begins by learning to listen. It's built in relationship because when the Lord speaks it to you, however he does it, and there's many ways, but when you know the Lord has put that promise in your heart, faith comes alive, I think, automatically, effortlessly. It's not something you pump up. It's there. Why? Because I heard God say it. That changes everything. Secondly, once I've got a sense of what the Lord's will is, I must take the step of faith. Now, it's scary. You're never absolutely certain. You know, we'd like to say, God, if it's really your will, write it on the living room wall. You know, and once, if it's, as the letters smoke there, you know, and the finger of God has gone through it, then I'll say, honey, I, I really think we need to take this step. What you're looking for is him to be so indisputably clear that you won't make a mistake. Yeah, isn't that it? I don't want to fail. If I think there's any possibility of failure, I won't move. Well, tough. Because when you walk in faith, God will give you his indication, but you won't be absolutely sure or it wouldn't be faith. And so you will have to step out on what you believe to be the will of the Lord. And you say, well, what if I make a mistake? Listen to this. If you are trying to seek the way of the Lord, you love him, and you believe it to be his will, you're not sure. And you say, Father, here I go. I'm going to do this, believing it's your will. If I'm wrong, forgive me. What do you think he's going to do? Be furious with you? Do you know that it, what pleases him is your desire to please him? Listen to that. Your desire to please him is what pleases him. And when you walk in that kind of heart, even when you make a mistake, he will so bless you in it that when he's done, you're not going to be sure it was a mistake. I know I've done a bunch of that. 
And after he, and I've even done it when I, was, I knew it wasn't his perfect will. And we did it. And he came and did such wonderful things that when I was through, I can't to the life of me to this day really tell you whether it was wrong or right. Because God blessed it. You know, it's cults that tell you, you get one step out of the will of God, you'll never get back in. They usually mean you leave this ministry, you're through forever. That's how you control people. That's what, you know, that's, that's these nutsos that run cults. That's how they teach. You're in the Father's hands. If you think he's going to abandon you because you tried and made a mistake, you just don't know the Father at all. He will not kick you. If you, he will either steer you out of it, at least you're moving. He's grateful for that. You're just moving. You can steer a park. You can't steer a parked car, right? You know, you're doing something. We'll get, you know, even if it's in reverse, we'll get you over here. Or he takes away the step you take and said, all right, you took it in good faith and he'll bless you and guide you in it. You'll learn from it. All things work together for good to them that love the Lord. All things. That's a solid promise. Secondly, and this is having to do with taking a step of faith, your emotions and feelings do not determine faith. Some people say that faith is, uh, you've got to have positive mental attitude. You've got to be feeling positive about it all the time, keeping up there. I have proven that to be absolutely false. I have screamed my way through, the, through my Christian walk. And I have found that what he watches is my feet. Do I obey? I can be full of fear, my heart can be pounding 90 miles an hour, I can be wringing my hands and moaning and groaning and confessing all of the bad stuff, but if I obey him, he calls that faith. He really does. See, if you really walk in the, in the things of God, you're, you're going to be doing stuff that scares you. You're going to do stuff that's too big for you. You're going to have things that are going, oh Lord, anything but that. No. Speak in front of people? Oh, no. And your heart will be going and your hands are wet and the whole, you know. <laughs> and he'll anoint you and bless you in it. We had people getting on the plane for that mission trip to Nepal. One woman, they practically carry her feet first onto the plane. <laughs> she was sure she was going to die. She had a deep fear. I mean, this was okay. And it was just everything in her power to just get her feet onto the plane. Her, she's sweating, she's frightened, she's weeping. The whole thing, they just got her on the plane and God used her powerfully. Faith is where your feet go. It's not whether you have a positive attitude. It's nice to have a positive attitude, I think. I wouldn't know. All right. <laughs> there will be always an inner obstacle in you when you walk in faith. This is the step of faith. You'll find one of two things, what I just said. One is that God will ask you to do something that seems too hard. In fact, it probably is. He's probably asking you to do the impossible. And any reasonable person can see it's impossible, and it is. Because he's saying, if you'll do this, I'll do a miracle. That's why it's so frightening. That's why this whole thing's so difficult. You're actually having to depend that he will do a miracle that he's promised to do to you. Secondly, the other obstacle is, is, is the exact opposite. Some of us are waiting for him to ask us to do something great, something mighty, something worthy of us. 
You know, rent a stadium, get a thousand voice choir, set up a microphone, win the nations. And the Lord says to us, why don't you go help them in the Christian education? Why don't you teach the fifth and sixth grade boys? Lord, isn't that a woman's job? This kind of thing? Obviously, I don't believe that. We begin to despise simple things. And for some of us, full of pride, who are looking to the Lord to give us self-esteem in that sense, the Lord will ask you to do something that isn't noticed by others, something that's costly and humble, something that nobody will ever necessarily even thank you for. And he'll ask you to stay in it faithfully till he triumphs. And you'll feel forgotten and lost. Your walk of faith is to carry in the simple thing that he's asked you to do. I have a, in my life a, a, a spirit-filled Methodist evangelist who's like a family pastor to us. And I've been in a number of things where I moan and groan to him. And I was moaning and groaning on one particular, I don't remember which one it was. I think we've done this several times. And he said to me, he's from the South, he said, Steve, um, I believe if uh, when the Lord sees you content there that he'll be, he'll be free to move you on. And uh, I thought, I'll never be content here. Well, the Lord, you know, he just leaves you. You think, well, I'll just sit it out and he'll, have to, he'll get sorry after a while. No, he won't. He, he'll leave you in that humble situation, that difficult situation, until your heart changes. Until you finally give up and say, well, Lord, if this is it, then I'll do it with all my might. What my hand finds to do, I will do it with all my might, and I'll do it to you. And then he's free to move you, once you don't care anymore. It's not being sick. He's freeing you from something. First step is to listen. Second step is to take the step of faith. Thirdly, to patiently endure until God brings his victory. Patiently endure in what you've done until God brings his victory. You know, that requires a miracle. That is where we learn to depend on the power of the Holy Spirit. It is not by might. It is not by power of the human flesh. It is by my spirit, says the, says the Lord, that his work is accomplished. In John chapter 4, Jesus was sitting outside the city of Samaria, and he was sitting by a well, and he had a conversation with a woman. You remember that? She said, uh, he said, uh, where is your husband? She said, I have none. And he says, right. He says, you have five, and the one you're living with now is not yours. She said, oh, I perceive you're a prophet. And he began to talk to her about her heart and the Lord. She was deeply moved and ran into town to tell her friends and the townspeople, come and see the man who told me all that I've done. While she's gone, apparently it's been a long day, the disciples gather around him. They want him to eat lunch. They bring him food, say, Master, eat. Jesus knows what's about to happen. The, the crowds by the hundreds or thousands are going to pour forth from this city. He's going to cast out the devils. He's going to heal the sick. He's going to preach the gospel. He's about to do a tremendous ministry. He will not take his attention off of what's at hand. And he says to them, I have food you know not of. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. See, he went 40 days without food. And he, is, he knows that if he will obey the Father and do what he's given to do, that he will be supernaturally empowered by God to do it. That's his food. He said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. 
My food is to do the will of him who sent me. When I was a youth minister, I, we, those were the hardest years. We were newly married, my wife's working full-time, I'm, I'm going to school full-time, and I'm working about 30 hours a week at this little Presbyterian church. We never saw each other. It was, it was the strain on our marriage. I, we were physically exhausted. I'd get in this little old Volvo. I put my head in the steering wheel, and I go, oh God, I gotta go minister. And I'd say, Lord, I don't deserve your blessing, and, and I didn't, let me just tell you that. But you love those kids. And Lord, if, if for nothing else for them, would you anoint me so that they'll be fed? And I'd just drag myself over there, speaking in tongues most of the way. And as I'd start to lead them in worship and I'd open the word to them, the Lord's anointing would be there. Time after time after time. I still, I still depend on that. I, I'm depending on that this week. I can't believe I'm making it through this. I had four hours sleep. I was so tired yesterday, I could hardly stand it. And yet the Lord is carrying me. It's not adrenaline. It's the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It's there for you. Your, your food is to do the will of Him who sent you. When you start walking in what God's told you to do, every time you turn your hand to it, you'll find the sustaining power of the Holy Spirit there for you. Did you hear me? Some of you are in all kinds of things. Some of you are teachers, and you're in the middle of a very hard environment. But you're called to it. And every time you put your hand, the power of God will be right there behind you. You can rely on it. I've been doing this 24 years. He's never failed me. He has never failed me. He will not fail you. Finally, you say, Steve, okay, okay. We've talked about the walk of faith. I've got to learn to listen. I've got to take this step. I patiently endure. Then you know what will happen? Miracles will happen in your life. Now here comes a danger point. You must refuse to accept the glory for what God does. Actually, the success, the things that begin to come out of your life become a danger to you. Because people will not know the difference between the anointing and you. They can't tell. And so they began to assume that the anointing and the wonderful things that God do, does through your life is you. And if you're not careful, you'll assume it too. And it becomes, it's a very important point right there to remind yourself over and over again and turn that glory back to Him. Because if you begin to say, you know, I really am very, very patient. I, I think I have special insight with people. the anointing will cut off its pride. He'll share his glory with no one. It's a very dangerous thing, very important thing. Somebody made the comment the other day, and I've heard it several times, they say, you know, Steve, you're not like what you are when you're preaching. I'm not. And they're disappointed, I think, when they say that, by the way. <laughs> I'm, I'm shyer, I'm quieter. I'm not nearly as interesting. I'm not faking it. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not acting, but I'm obeying. He's asked me to do this, the last thing in the world I want to do. But he equips me to do it, and always has since he's asked me to do it. I never have liked it, and he's always ministered life if I be faithful. It's the anointing. I'm not smart in the word. I tell you stuff I've learned about 24 hours ago. 
He's the one, and if He'll keep teaching us, then we'll be fed. If He'll keep giving us strength, then we'll be ministered to. If I ever blur that in my heart, that'll lift, and we'll live with Steve, and that stinks. Fifth, last. You say, okay, I've walked the walk of faith. What's my reward? Oh, have I got a reward for you. Your reward for having walked faithfully in this and seen his miracle power, having your heart changed and built, you know what it is? You get another opportunity to walk even bigger in faith. Isn't that great? You know, you came all the way up the mountain and you get to the top and you look down and go, Phew! man, what a climb, man. I'm not kidding. It really will be. You'll grow in faith through this thing and then you'll turn around and there'll be another one. Why? Because he's conforming you into the image of Jesus Christ and there's a long way to go. He's, he's taking you, it says in Corinthians, from one level of glory to the next level of glory, is he not? And he expands your heart and you walk in faith and you find out how powerful he is and you fall in love with him and you, you believe him, you turn around and now you have another. And he's going to just make you bigger. He's preparing you for eternity. You have a big job ahead of you. And so he's growing you step at a time. That's your reward. You say, Steve, I don't think I like that. That sounds hard to me. Well, I, I can tell you that lots of people refuse because it is hard. Lots of people won't do this because it's difficult. But I will tell you this also, that without faith, it is impossible to please him. For those who come to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please click the like button, subscribe, and share it with a friend. For more information, just head to our website, lifelessonspublishing.com. That's lifelessonspublishing.com. There you'll be able to order many of the books Pastor Steve has written.